There was nothing really that special about him. He looked like everybody else. He talked like everybody else. Pretty much lived his life like everybody else. He was a fisherman. He loved being out on on the lake. The lake they called it a sea, but we would have called it a lake. One day he's out fishing. Jesus comes by. He Peter had heard about Jesus before. Chances are he might have even heard Jesus speak a time or two. He had heard some of the stories of some of the, the amazing things that Jesus was starting to do. So it kind of took him off guard probably when Jesus stopped and looked at Peter. Jesus said, follow me. Peter must have thought about it for a minute and processed very quickly the kinds of things that Jesus had been saying made sense. They spoke to him on a new and, and deeper level than anything he had heard before. Peter came from a family that was probably religious. They, he probably had the opportunity to learn and grow, find out about God. But Jesus talked about it differently than anything he had ever heard before. Talked about it in terms of a, of a kingdom, in, in terms of relationship with God instead of obedience to the law only. I think probably when Jesus said, follow me, Peter processed through the things he had seen and the things he had heard and he realized that this was something real perhaps more real than anything else he had experienced and so he chose to follow understanding of course that follow me doesn't mean walk behind me and go where I go <laughs> it means share life with me Learn from me. Become like me. Follow me in your life, not just your steps. And so Peter began to follow. Jesus collected, for lack of a better term, other followers as he went. And before long, Peter kind of became the, the guy in charge of the group and that was good at times because they needed a, an outspoken leader, and certainly Peter was outspoken. But that same thing that made him a strong leader also got him into trouble a time or two when he would speak out strongly without fully understanding what he was talking about, and it would, it would create difficulties. For example, one day Jesus is saying, guys, I need you to start getting prepared. I need you to understand I'm going to have to die. And Peter said, no, 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 you don't have to go that way. No, we'll figure out a different route. We'll, we'll get together and, and we'll brainstorm and we'll do that whole group think thing, you know, and, and we'll, we'll get it figured out. You don't have to do that. Jesus looked at him and 
it felt to Peter like he was looking right at him, but I think really Peter or Jesus was looking through Peter, not at him. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Not calling Peter Satan, but, but Peter must have eventually understood that Satan was using Peter's words to once again tempt Jesus away from his intended purpose. Jesus speaks directly to, to the enemy and says, get behind me. He knew he had to die, and no matter how much Peter loved him and wanted to help, that intended purpose could not be changed. And so Peter begins to follow and begins to listen more carefully, and he begins to wonder about this reality that Jesus is going to die. Eventually, Jesus gets all the guys together, and it's a, it's a regular time of Passover. It's a, it's a feast. They're supposed to be together. They don't really think anything about it because it's supposed to, that, that's just what you do. They got together in this upper room of a house. But the weird thing is, since it was a borrowed house, that nobody was, was there as a servant. You know, they, whoever owned the house wasn't even there, apparently. And so there weren't any servants there to take care of these guys. They were going to have to do it all on their own. Well, so when they arrive with dirty feet, there's nobody there to wash their feet. And then the master becomes a servant and he picks up the towel and the basin and he goes washing their feet. And when Jesus got to Peter, it was too much. And Peter said, no, Jesus, this is wrong. I should be washing your feet. You can't wash my feet. Jesus said, Peter, if, if you don't let me do this, then you have none of me. And Peter said, well, then, my goodness, just give me a whole bath because I'm all in. And he thought he was. As a matter of fact, in just a few minutes after that, Jesus once again brought up the idea that he was going to have to die, and, and it was going to get hard on the disciples because Jesus understood that when he died that the disciples would, would be next. And Peter, that outspoken quick talker, slow thinker, said, wait a minute, Jesus, I'll do anything for you. He said, I'll go to prison for you. I'll die for you. And then Jesus looked at him again, the same way he did, the same way he did earlier. He, he looks at him again, and he says, would you really? Peter's saying, I'll do any, I'll, I'll die for you. And then that look, would you really? Because as a matter of fact, Jesus says, as a matter of fact, Peter, before the alarm clock goes off in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. Peter had no idea what he was saying it couldn't be. They finished their meal, and Jesus 
led them outside. He went to the garden to pray, and Peter stayed pretty close by. And the soldiers and the others from town came, and they arrested Jesus and took him off. As they dragged Jesus off to the house where he was going to be interrogated, the Bible says Peter followed afar off. Earlier, Jesus had seen him fishing and said, come follow me, and he was right there with him. He stayed close to him every step along the way, but now things had changed so dramatically, Peter followed afar off. They took Jesus on into the house where he was going to be interrogated, and Peter hangs out in the courtroom, the courtyard below. Somebody comes up to him and says, hey, I think I've seen you before. Don't you hang out with that Jesus guy? Peter says, no, you got the wrong guy. I'm, I, I, I'm not one of them. Somebody else comes up and says, dude, you talk funny. <laughs> you, you talk like those Galileans. You got a funny accent. You're, you're probably one of those Jesus guys, aren't you? He said, no, I'm not one of them. And then somebody else came up and said, I know who you are. I've seen you. You're one of his guys. And Peter says, I do not know the man. And one of the Gospels, one of the Gospels says that when he made that statement, he looked up. And Jesus was crossing through the courtyard, and he looked at him. Imagine that look. The look he saw when Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. The look he saw when he said, before the alarm clock goes off, you'll deny me. After the third denial, he looks and he sees Jesus looking at him. And the rooster crows. The alarm goes off. And Peter's world collapses. He's there alone in the darkness. Having betrayed the one who loved him. Having denied the one who was about to die for him. The people took Jesus on up that hill and they nailed him to the cross. He already had that crown of thorns on his head. They drove spikes through his wrists and his ankles. They dropped the cross into the ground where he hung until he couldn't breathe anymore. And Peter was nowhere to be found. The Bible says that he like all the disciples, fled. John apparently came back at some point to stand at the feet of Jesus, but none of the others did. Peter's dark, cold world had become a lonely place. When Jesus was dead, they took his body off the cross. They didn't have time to prepare his body correctly, so they just very quickly 
kind of draped some stuff around him and put him in in the tomb. It was the Sabbath was coming, sun was going down, so they couldn't work. They didn't have time to finish. A couple of mornings later, some of the ladies who followed him showed up and they were going to finish preparing the body and so they get to the tomb to to try to take care of his body and while they're there Mary saw a gardener over here doing something the guy starts talking to her and she got confused by it she said hey if you know what's going on will you just help us please his body's not here he's gone they arrived to, to prepare the body and to take care of him, and it's not even there. There's an empty hole in the side of the hill. So, Gardner, if you know what's going on, tell, tell me what's happening. And then he speaks, and he calls her by name. And when he called her by name, it was, it was as if her ears were opened and her eyes were clear and she understood this was Jesus. Alive. And then he said, go back and tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples. And when you check off all the list, make sure you double check and don't leave out Peter. I want Peter to know there's hope. Jesus then appears to the disciples. <laughs> After Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I see it with my own eyes. Jesus appears. And after he appears, they begin to they begin to just see a glimmer of hope. Maybe Maybe there is something to this resurrection thing. Maybe, maybe Jesus is really here and alive. And the next thing you know, he's having breakfast with them on the beach. And at that breakfast on the beach, he, Jesus pulls Peter over to the side. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, I love you, Jesus. Peter, do you really love me? I love you, Jesus. Peter, listen to me. I'm looking at you again. Do you love me? Peter said, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Not that long ago, Peter had said, no, I'm not one of them. And Jesus says, do you love me? He said, I don't even know him. And Jesus says, do you love me? Peter said, I do not know the man. Jesus said, do you love me? It was not a coincidence that he asked three times. Nor was, was he asking three times as a punishment or, 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 or some way to convince Peter. There's a reason he asked three times, because Peter had denied three times. It was an act of grace. It was restoring 
hope. He had reached into Peter's dark, cold world and pulled him out of that hopeless situation that he had created for himself, and he restored his hope. Peter goes on then to start telling people the good news that Jesus is alive. He wound up going all over the area there and, 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 and uh, traveling and telling people. And he, he helped build churches and get things started, not build buildings, but he helped start groups of people who would worship. And he got things started and he even wrote a letter. He wrote a letter to Christians who were going through a dark, hopeless time. They were being oppressed. They had scattered. They were suffering. And Peter, who had become an expert on hope in the dark, wrote a letter. And in the letter, he tells them, we have a living hope. Over the next five weeks, I want us to look at that letter, First Peter. Peter. 